Thank you, and thank you for letting me come and, and uh, share with you this morning. Just a little bit of, about who Ian and Wendy McDougall are. We come from a little town, country town, southwest of Western Australia, two and a half, about two hours south-southeast of Perth. I've lived there and farmed there for um, 53 years. So I'm a man of the land. So, you know, I, I love reading the scriptures. I love reading Jesus' story and I love listening sometimes to people in the cities explaining some of those um, stories and men. Sometimes they haven't got it. Um, but I'm not talking about that today. Um, God's been, I've had some thoughts floating around in my head for probably two or three years that God's been just taking me down a road and, and I'm, you're the first group that I've shared some of my thoughts with on this. But it was real funny this morning, as I was sitting down there, I pulled up my, um, opened up my Bible in my phone and today's text was the righteous leads, blameless lies, blessed are those, their children after them. And it fits in with a bit of what I wanted to share this morning. I'm always, I was always a bit um, sceptical about, you know, the, the people that set up um, verses for each day of the year and, you know, but it's amazing how God brings things into line. I want to go right back to the very beginning. Um, I'm not going to go through Genesis, but I want to talk about God and creation for a start, just to, to set the tone of what I want to share. Everything God made in Genesis, God, each day that he created something else, he said it was good. So the Garden of Eden, the creation, was everything about goodness. It was good. And we need to keep that in mind because Adam and Eve were told to don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So they already lived in a good place. But because everything was good around them, they didn't really understand what evil was. And Adam and Eve were made in God's image. So here they were in the ultimate place. But God did one thing. He did one thing, and that was he gave them a free will. He gave them the ability to choose. You know, the Garden of Eden was full of beautiful fruit. And to me, I think it was there. It wasn't because they needed it for sustenance. It was there for their pleasure. You know, God gave them all of these great things for their pleasure. Okay. Pain didn't come into the world until after they had they'd taken of the fruit. So to me, I think there was a, you know, I've got to, I always stumble on this word, a physiological change in their bodies where after that time they needed food to live because it says in the scriptures that they will only, you'll only eat by the pain of your back. And that's why farmers, I believe, have, you know, most farmers have um, crooked backs. Which takes me to another story in my life. Last year, 
I had to have a major back operation. Um, and I thought, Lord, why? I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian all my life. You know, I grew up in a Christian home. First time I made a commitment was when I was four or five or six or something, and then I recommitted when I was 12 and then recommitted when I was a teenager. You know, I've just lived in that atmosphere of God's presence all my life. And I sought prayer for three to four years from all over the world for my back. I've had people pray for me in this precise room right there for my back. I've had people in Scotland. I've had people, you know, friends all around the world and nothing happened and I had to go for an operation. And some people would say, that's not godly or that's not in God's realm. It's an evil thing. But it wasn't. It was rather interesting. I went through that operation. It was painful. But yet I had three encounters while I was in hospital with the nursing staff. One of them was in the middle of the night. She woke me up to do my obs and she says, oh, I'm terribly sorry. I'm terribly sorry. I'm terribly sorry. And I said, look, that's fine. I forgive you. And those couple of words changed that woman's life. I don't know what the outcome was, but she said, oh, that is so wonderful. She said, I really needed that. She said, thank you very much. You are now my favourite patient in the hospital. I don't know the circumstances of her life at that precise moment. But something was important to her that she was forgiven. I don't know her standing with God. I don't know where she's at. That was just this floating moment. Then I was feeling a little low, so I put my phone on, turned on the worship music and had the worship music playing. And another nurse came in and said, is that worship music? And I said, yeah. She said, oh, that's so wonderful. You've just made my day. And as I sat there and I thought about that, you know, I thought all this pain and everything that I've gone through was worth it. And then there was another nurse that came in and, and I think they must have been talking out there. She said, are you a Christian? And I said, yes. She says, well, so am I. And then she had a little bit about who she was. So for me, I sat in that bed and I thought, you know, all this pain that I went through was worth it just for those few moments. So what I wanted to, to have a little bit more of a look at was we hear so much about evil, but what is evil? You know, what is evil? And as I pondered upon this, I've been pondering on this for a while and, and sometimes I think God wants me to write a book about it, but I'm, I'm not sure. I'm a farmer. I'm not a book writer. I failed English at school. I still, the only reason I can spell is because I carry my dictionary around with me in my lovely wife. Um, but I pondered, what is evil? And God brought me back. It's not the murders in the streets, the thieving, the pilfering. They are the consequences of evil. Evil is the place where God is not. So anything in our lives where God is not, we are virtuing into evil. Well, actual fact, I'm going to say we are in evil. 
Because evil is the place where God is not. And that really made me start to um, come to that point of saying, ooh, it sort of put a bit of a microscope on my life and thought, where am I in this? Where is God in me? Because every part of me where God is not, it is in evil. And all of a sudden, I didn't really want to know that. Well, Adam and Eve, when they're in the garden, they took of the, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So they came to that point of realising where God was not. Where God was not in their lives. They became shameful. And they tried to hide from God. Because all of a sudden they realised there was this other place where God was not. And that's where Satan dwells. The powers and principalities of the heavenly realms dwell in that place. That place of evil. And Eve... I really believe that it wasn't actually the biting of the fruit that was the problem. It was actually the disobedience of God to God. Because she went, exercised her free will and stepped out of God's grace. And she disobeyed what God had commanded them to be. So they, she separated her relationship with God. So she stepped into that place where God was not. You know, I always love the, the passage in the Bible where, you know, Adam and Eve met with God in the cool of the evening. You know, there's nothing more beautiful than after a stinking hot day, you get this beautiful cool breeze comes in. Where we live, we live 220 odd k's from the south coast of Western Australia. But we have the blessing of what we call the Albany Doctor. It's a sea breeze that hits our place at about 7 o'clock at night. So it starts at Albany about, I think it's 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning, and it gets to our place at 7 o'clock at night. And the temperature will drop from 30, 40, you know, up when some of the real hot days, the 40-degree days, it'll drop down to 12 degrees at night. So we can sleep under a blanket and... But it's just that refreshing coolness, that beautiful breeze that comes and nests amongst us. And every time I feel that, I think of that passage in the Bible where Adam and Eve walk with God in the garden in the coolness of the evening. And what they did, they separated that relationship. The whole of the Old Testament is about from the point that they sinned, it says that the son of the woman's will crush the head of Satan, will crush the head of the serpent. So at that precise moment, God put in a plan for the coming of Jesus. And that's another big story again, but I won't go into it fully now. But Jesus' job was to reinstate the relationship that Adam and Eve had with God for us. So after Jesus was risen from the dead, he broke the power of Satan. 
So that guy's got no authority in our lives at all. We're in the actual the same place now as what Adam and Eve were in before the fall because God has reinstated us to be that place. So he wants us into full relationship. And as I thought more about this, I thought, wow, that's a rather interesting thing. We're back to that point of having a free will. Because in the Old Testament, Satan had control of the worldly um, systems, the worldly over the, over the people. That power was taken out because Jesus says, in his name we can do all things. You know, the name of Jesus, everything must bow. And yet, how many of us, and I'm including myself in this, really understand that? Really have that relationship with God to know exactly when to speak, when to say, stop. Now, I'm wearing a band-aid on my nose. I don't know whether I could have stopped that or not. An hour before I was ready to leave to start this journey over here, I was on a motorbike, I turned the motorbike around, a four-wheel motorbike, and then whack, out of nowhere. I, don't, I still, to be honest, don't know what hit me. But it felt like a baseball bat hit me across the face. I lay, all I know is I looked around and there was a stick on the ground about that long, about that big around at one end, and the other end about the size of my little finger. I assume I run over with the front wheel of the motorbike and it flicked up and hit me in the face. But I thought, well, my son, when we got to Perth, said, you need to go and see a doctor. I said, no, I'm going to Queensland. And so I'm here. My nose is starting to feel a bit better, still a bit sore. And as you can see, I've got bags under my eyes. But God, but that wasn't evil. To me, that was an accident. It wasn't evil. But so often in the world today, we account things as evil that are not actually evil. They are the consequences of what we do. Now, I can put that down the same with my eyes. It's the consequences of what I did. I hopped on the motorbike and just turned around and didn't look. Now, I may have seen the stick or I may not have because I wasn't concentrating on riding that because I have ridden four-wheeler motorbikes for 30-odd um, years. So to me, it's just like putting on a pair of pants. And a lot of times we just, you know, cross the paddock. So I didn't really have a complete good look at what was happening. Yes, I got whacked in the face, but I live with that. We're tough when you're farmers. We're probably too tough at times. We sort of don't. We think, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a sore finger or a bit of a sore arm, and then we find out later it's broken. <coughs> but God wants us to understand that he wants a great relationship with us. You know, the other thing that, as I looked at all of this stuff, is who we are. We are not the head of the animal kingdom, as the world likes to put out there. The world says that we are the most advanced of the animal kingdom. 
No, we're not. We're a heavenly being with an earthly body. So, firstly, we are a heavenly being. We are a spiritual being. But we take on a form of an earthly body. Because it says in the scriptures that in Hebrews 2 7, which is also Psalm, um, taken from Psalm 8 4 to 6, you are made. You made him a little lower than the angel. And this is talking about us. You crowned him with glory and honour and put everything under his feet. In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him. So we live in a world that's very much so. You know, it's, I'm getting very frustrated with and saddened by the way the world is going around us and how that they're legislating sin as goodness. And they're, you know, and because we're just the top of the animal kingdom, you know, we've got to treat the animals like they're one of us. We had an incident over home a few uh, last year where we had some people that broke into a farm and, and stole a little calf and they were going on about that this calf was their brother. And to me, that made me feel very sad that we've come to a point where we see the animals as our brothers and sisters. God says we have authority over them. Yes, they are, can be companions, they can be our mates, but they are not in the same as we are. But we're also not angels. We're not angels. We're a little lower than the angels. But we are the direct connection from heaven to creation. That's our job, is connecting God to creation. Our job is to connect God to everybody else around us. Sadly, the church, in some ways, has missed it, missed it because, you know, we seem to let the world take, take over us at the moment. You know, we're fighting. There's been legislation that's been bought in some states and we're fighting it in West Australia at the moment where you, it's going to be harder and harder just to pray with people because they're ruling it out. There's certain... Uh, I'm not sure where you are in your state, so I'm just going to be careful of what I say here. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're trying to shut down in a sense, prayer ministry. And uh, it certainly puts us in a, um, a little bit of a awkward situation, I suppose, if it comes through. Because one of the things that Wendy and myself do, we do a lot of prayer ministry. We have a group of people and we do set free. I don't know how many of you have heard of set free, but it's something that the um, Northridge uh, Vineyard set up some years. I've been doing it for about 17 or 18 years now. And we took it on in Western Australia. And we run a retreat on our farm two or three times a year where people come and just for re refinement, refreshment, whatever they need. If they need a clean up, um, we just come and, and they spend the weekend with us and we go through issues and the things that can separate them from God. So again, it's bringing people closer to God. But as we... Just think about that, that God has given us a free will. 
And we can exercise that free will, whether we want to be in evil. Now, all the murders and all the turmoil that's going into the world today is all because people are living in that place where God is not. That is not the that is the outcome of evil, and um, so not all things that are bad are evil. Sometimes God is in it, and that's what I wanted to share. You know, it's sometimes you know we have droughts, and some people will say, "Oh, that's evil because you know things are dying." But God allows these things to happen. You know, some people will say that Satan does it. Well, I don't agree with that. Because Satan hasn't any authority anymore. The only authority that he has on this earth is what we allow him to have. Is what we give him in our lives. And just a, a verse to show you that Jesus has broken Satan's authority. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in, his, in their humility so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all, all their lives will he <coughs> were held in slavery by their fear of death. So death no longer has any hold over us. Fear has no longer any hold over us. We're reading a book. Um, one of the things that, because I'm not much of a reader, while we travel, we do. Living in the country, we drive a lot. You know, we wear cars out fairly regular. So we drive a lot. So Wendy's taken on to read to me while I drive. And we've just been reading the, the book that you probably all got it here, I don't know, that Don't Trust a Lead Without a Limp. And one of the, the comments he made in that was, believe your beliefs and doubt your doubts. How often do we doubt our beliefs and believe our doubts? So again, that comes back into this whole same thing that I've been sharing about. That, you know, when we doubt our, when we believe our doubts, we're actually letting God, we're leaving God out of the, out of the picture. We're letting evil come into our lives. So God wants us to come into that place of having a full relationship with Him. We are not of flesh but we are of the Spirit. And that's why it's very important that we live in that spiritual realm within Christianity. Um, you know, I grew up in a conservative evangelical church who basically said, when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes in and then he becomes a mute. He doesn't do anything again. And then when we started to say, no, the Holy Spirit comes, and it says in the Bible, he comes in power and authority. And that was when I met John Wimber back in 1989. I went to a conference and the Lord hit me with the presence of his spirit. Um, and I'm going to share a little bit of that story. I used to get a lump under my shoulder blade that was debil debilitating. I couldn't, I was starting to lose the power of my right arm. It was so bad, this big knot in the muscle. And I went forward for prayer. And I asked, and I'm just going to go back a little bit. The night before, one of the guys that was speaking was talking about 
the way we see our earthly father is the way we can see God. And if there's anybody here who has anything against their father, that um, come and confess it. And at that point, I was quite bitter towards my father over a few things that was happening around the farm. And I went and confessed that and nothing happened. And then they started to pray for me the next day. And the lady came to me and she said, a young guy started praying and nothing happened. I'm one of these people that when they pray for me, nothing seems to happen for some reason. And, and he prayed again and nothing happened. And the lady that was running the workshop said, I think this guy's a bit of a hard nut. We better, you know, might need a little bit more um, experience in this. So she started to pray for me and she put her hands on me shoulder and she started to pray. And she looked at me and said, you've got something to confess, haven't you? And at this point, this bitterness towards my father was swelling up in my head. And I made a comment. And I started, to con- Whoops. I started to confess it in my head, in my thoughts. And she, and she said, out loud, please. So she was really in that place where God was. And as I said it, I said, Lord, forgive. And that's all I can remember saying. And then all of a sudden, the top of my head opened up and I had 45 years of God's love poured into my heart, into my being. I became 40 feet deep, and I'm just explaining this exactly how I felt it at that point in time. I became 40 feet deep, and I felt love coming up in my body. I could feel it, literally feel it. And if you want to know what it felt like, it was the same feeling I get when I cuddled my wife, but it was unadulterated. It was pure. And it came and it just burst out the top. And And at that point, I remember lurching forward and grabbing the lady who was praying for me and giving a gigantic hug. I had to apologise afterwards. I said, I hope I didn't squeeze too hard. That moment is why I'm standing here today. That moment is why these guys keep telling a lot of porkies about me. Um, That moment... The Holy Spirit came into me and it changed me forever. It changed my life. That moment, there was a lot less evil in my life than there was before. I'm not saying it's all gone. I'm not a, I'm not a saint. I've still got my free will and my free will moves at times where it shouldn't. And so I want to encourage you to have a look and look into yourselves and say, where is my free will been stopping me coming close to God? Or where is my free will letting evil things grow up in my life? And I want you to use that gauge that where God is not, it is evil. Evil is that place where God is not. So ask yourself, what am I doing in my life where I have not allowed God into it? And I know we all, and me included, have got still parts of my life. You know, there's times when I think, oh, why am I doing that? Or why am I thinking like that? 
Why am I letting those thoughts come? Now, one thing that Satan can do, he can tempt us. Just the same as, as Eve, he was tempting Eve to go and do it. What happened? He tempted Jesus in the, gar- in the garden. He took, you know. So we're not outside of his temptation, but he has no authority in that. The only authority he's got is when we say yes to that temptation. And we empower him to them work in our lives. So we need to learn to say no. We need to bring ourself, our, um, that, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's all right, I've had a, a, a brain blank. So we just need to take control of who we are and surrender it to God. Yes, we can ask God to help you. You know, I know there are times when I feel attacked. And one of my favourite verses in the Bible is um, Isaiah 54, 17, which is, No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I know it off by heart, but I can't remember where it comes from. Um, No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every word spoken over me I now condemn. It's my inherited right as a son of the Most High God. And I forgive anybody that's spoken against me. And that word I found so refreshing. You know, I feel low. I was just a little late saying it on, the, on Wednesday. But I, have, I don't know how many things that I have avoided by saying that. I know I've, I've found life much easier by just coming and submitting to God. Grabbing my free will and saying, Lord, come into my life in everything, every part, not just little parts. So I just want to pray for you all now, just asking God that he will just come and touch your hearts, that he may give you the ability to be honest with yourselves, to hear his call. Because one of the other things that's great with this is that God has given us a way out and he just says, ask for forgiveness. Just very easy. Lord, forgive me for, and name it. And it's amazing the power that those words have. Like the lady in the, the, the nurse at the hospital when I said, I forgive you. And it did something for her. It just opened her up. I don't know, you know, what it was that she, what her problem was at that precise time, but it was something that she needed. So let the Lord work in your lives. So let's just pray. Actually, what I'm going to do, I'm just, can we all stand? I'm going to pray and then just ask the Holy Spirit to come and, and just speak.